it's Friday. You are Rebecca Brown. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Filtered. I'm Hannah. I'm Rebecca. I'm Celine. I'm Benita. And I'm Sharon. Welcome back to our Breaking the Mold series. And we are so excited to have you guys listen to us today. Today, we have a special guest. Her name is Marianne Jor. Oh, I'm so excited. This is so exciting. This is exciting for me. (laughs) (laughs) I am so excited to be here. I literally listened to season one every episode when I would get out of the shower. <laughs> this is filtered the podcast, but I'm going to be a little unfiltered. I would really get out of the shower and listen to the podcast as I'm putting my clothes on and getting ready for bed. It's like part of my nighttime routine. So really, so really cute. grateful it's okay. I to, to be here. The shower is fine. <laughs> wait, no, wait, maybe I'll- It's okay. You can listen to the shower. No one's judging you. It's a safe place. You probably have your deepest connections and feelings with the Lord at that time. So you know what? Listen outside the me. shower. I meant outside the shower. <laughs> All right. So if you guys don't know Mary Ann, she is a Grammy Award winner, an artist who's currently partnered with Maverick City Music, and she's a mental health counselor. She just what? does it all. Every day I wonder how I'm making it in this world. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> no, it's the grace of God. I'm literally figuring it out, but yeah. You're doing great. So you have a lot on your plate right now. You have a bunch of roles and you are making it work. So is there anything that you've done that has helped you get to where you are right now? I think like, I think I have really good community and like really good friends and family that really ground me. Mm -hmm. I think having that has been super helpful because you're right. There's a lot of roles right now. I think this point in my life is probably the busiest season I've ever been in where like, I just had a kid like a year, like 14 months ago. So she's 14 months old now. Um, and navigating that space of like motherhood and like what that means as an artist and like just figuring that out I feel like that's been pretty challenging and I feel like having my parents there to be supportive is like also helping me take care of the baby and like having my friends who are also like able to speak into some of the insecurities I might have or like some of that imposter syndrome that shows up when you transition in roles in between roles um, I think having all that has been, has been really grounding and super helpful because it's easy to get lost in the expectations that people have for you mm-hmm. or even like mm-hmm. the opinions that people try to put on you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so having those people in your life who are like, no, this is what you're, you know, I'm just reminding you as your friend, this is what you've been called to do. And you are graced for this moment. You're graced for this season. Um, I think that has been super, super great. And the cool part is like, I feel like I've had, um, that before I kind of became part of this group or part before I even had influence or platform any of that so I started with that which has been which has been really good and helpful Mm -hmm. for me so I feel like that has been set in stone and I really feel like that was a god thing because I don't know that I could have handled this current stage of life without having those things in in stone already so Mm -hmm. yeah did you think like years ago at an early age when you were, cause you know, you've been singing your whole life, like in church and everything. Mm-hmm. Right. So did you think that this was going to become your career? No, I think I always wanted to like, you know, release something, but it wouldn't have been like, I think I would have just done it because I wanted to, and mm-hmm. like, I enjoyed it. So I always knew that I'd be doing music in some way, shape or form, whether it meant like worship or like just having fun on the side with it or like collaborating with people like Hannah's sister and brother-in-law, like <laughs> Chris and Blessing, who I've grown up singing with too. Like doing stuff with them, doing events with them. Like I always thought that would be the thing. I never, I never anticipated it being like a full-time career. Never, mm-hmm. no, that was not, I mean, that wasn't even a possibility if I'm being honest, so. So where was like the shift? Well, I think when it's, when it started to gain a little bit of traction, I like, I had just graduated with my master's when I started to get involved with these writing camps that ended up becoming like what Maverick City is now. I had time off. So I was kind of like invited to do this. And these were artists that I had looked up to my whole life. 
So it was kind of one of those opportunities where I was like, this would be dumb to pass up on. So I'm going to just try. Mm -hmm. And there was nothing like, it was like a week of my time, like to just go and write and come back home. And so I didn't think anything of it, but I did it a few times and it started to feel like, oh, wow, this is actually something I feel like I can do. I feel really called to this. And um, it was one of those things where I feel like God put it in my lap and I, I didn't really ask or seek out, seek it out. I always just mm-hmm. done covers or like had fun with music, like at home. So I never mm-hmm. really wrote music like in that way, collaboratively. So it wasn't something I, I thought of. So when it started to started to like gain traction on YouTube and stuff where mm-hmm. some of the people that started those camps were like sitting me down. They were like, okay, like you have a choice to make, like you can decide if you want to try this and go from here, or you can go back to working. It's really up to you. Um, and I hadn't started looking for a job yet. So I like prayed about it and just decided after that, that I wanted to do it more full time. Mm-hmm. And, but that was like, I think where the shift happened, where I was like, okay, like, this is going to be like a thing. Like I have to try at least try. And if it doesn't work, then, you know, I have a career to fall back on. Like I have a degree. Yeah. And even now, like if that's something I want to go back to, I can, you know, were you ever scared or was it like such a peaceful decision or was it like, no, I was definitely like terrified because I feel like it's not, um, even though I had like certain connections, like, um, the music industry is not a safe career like it's not a safe career path it's not like a stable industry you're very much disposable at any point whereas I think like that's why our our at least being a brown woman like a lot of my upbringing was pushed into like stable careers like yeah you're always going to need a doctor you're always going to need a nurse you're always going to need a teacher you're always going to need a engineer like like yeah I think there's a better term for that like these careers I don't that's essential worker yeah essential worker. I, I just said stem careers <laughs> there you go yeah that too uh, where it's like there's always a need for them yeah like music is like you know you could be popular today and yeah like where is Rebecca Black do we know where she is she had one hit song. I'm, I'm right here, here. Is she <laughs> I'm right here <laughs> it's Friday. You Friday. are Rebecca Brown hello okay <laughs> um, I feel like sometimes it's like scary to go because it's like considered a hobby. Like mm-hmm. I remember when I wanted to go into college and I was trying to figure out what career I wanted to do. My dad was like, you need a job to fall back on. You need to go to college to get a degree that like you can find a job in like something that even finance, like I wanted to go to finance, but everybody was like, that's not a safe job security like market so go to an accounting because everybody's always going to need an accountant. So like even in music, it's like our parents are always like, go into something you could always fall back on because maybe you want to follow that hobby or that dream of yours but at least you have some type of security blanket yeah yeah I definitely feel like I wouldn't have normally like the way that it went for me this was mm-hmm. the only situation where I would have done what I did like I don't mm-hmm. know that I would have naturally been like okay like I'm yeah I'm 32 now I'm gonna stop my job and like pursue music like but that's yeah. so good like you seize the opportunity like I feel like yeah. For me, even doing what you did, that's so brave. I could never see myself being that confident and I would have so much anxiety around that. So just seizing the opportunity, look how far it brought you. That's crazy. I don't, and I want to say that I don't think seizing the opportunity means that you don't have the anxiety. (laughs) Like I think you definitely, you still like, I mean, I'm still scared. (laughs) Like, oh, I've been I've been in this since 2019. I'm still petrified. Like literally, I made the decision to go full time with my career in 20 like November of 2019, and then the pandemic hit. And yeah. March 2020. So I'm sitting at home being like, this is probably the dumbest decision I've made because everybody and their mother is going to a therapist right now, and they're making a lot of money. Like, they're not, <laughs> like their job is very secure. Like I like doing pandemic. So I was like very much like this may not have been the right choice but I wanted to tell myself it's not the right choice but it was like it definitely was 2020 was a year that Mav really took off and like we released Mm -hmm. a bunch of stuff and like it was a really big year for us Mm -hmm. you went into this career like after you were married right do you think that was like a huge difference because like you're not in your parents household anymore like do you think it would be different if you were younger and this had happened I I I do I think I don't know that um I don't know if it would have been as easy of a choice to to make. Um, 
first of all I don't even know if my like I know my dad like he would have like a million and one questions like oh yeah who's there like who's saying what 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 room are you sleeping in like who's who's next door to you like who's like giving you food what time like and I'm I'm mind you I'm like 30 years old right now I'm still getting those questions right now I'm like I'm like I'm a fully functioning mother we're gonna be okay but like yeah like I don't know that I could have done what I did without the support of like my partner and like the people in my life like I think at that point like I had gained enough like trust with them I mean they couldn't really make the choice for me at that point. yeah I, I I think like John also knew this was like a once in a lifetime opportunity yeah. and like these are the people that like we sang their songs in our churches as yeah. you know yeah. attendees of an Indian American church so it was really like I feel like even now sometimes my parents are like don't really like my pa- family sometimes don't really understand the 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 gravity of the the situation um or like what I'm doing but like I feel like like little by little like they are starting to get it like when I would this year we went on tour we went on two tours with Kirk Franklin and I feel like my dad knows who Kirk Franklin is so that was like a big deal for him to get to meet him and to like talk to him and like then he's like oh okay maybe you know a little bit of what you're doing man (laughs) maybe you don't need to like ask questions yeah that's crazy so like being a counselor and like a music artist are not typical jobs that we see in the South Asian community so like when you told your parents you were pursuing either of those careers did they have like a reaction like uh girl what are you doing this is not an essential worker job (laughs) yeah this is not stem (laughs) yeah it's not I mean they were trying to push me into like PA school like first med school and then I was like I like you know gotta gradually (laughs) decrease down to PA school but yeah, like when I decided, well, the reason why I ended up going into mental health was because I started an university at like my college at the time. And so I was coming into contact with all sorts of people. And it was my first, like almost my first real whiff of like evangelism and like mission work within a campus. Like I always thought, I mean, we grew up in churches where we were like, oh yeah, a missions trip to India or a missions trip to like Costa Rica <laughs> or a missions trip to like Africa for like 12 days um and that was missions and I think like I'd always mentally put my mind in there as like overseas missions is the only type of mission and like God called me to do that in my in my college campus and I found Mm -hmm. myself in contact with all sorts of people like all different walks of life and I had a real passion to talk to them and to hear their stories and kind of respond to things and it was a really difficult life stuff that they were going through like I remember one of them was like oh, you know, my daughter just came out to me and she's a lesbian and I don't really know how to communicate with her, talk Mm -hmm. to her, but still love her as um, a mother. And so it was like really intense things where I was like, like, you're you're not prepared. You're not prepared for something. I don't know how to respond, but I really do feel like even now I felt like the presence of like the Holy Spirit there with me to, to answer these questions. And so I felt a nudging and a leading towards counseling from that moment. And I really feel like I'm so glad I went through with it and did the whole thing before I went into songwriting and industries like this, because so much of what I've learned in my master's and in, in undergrad, like has pl- like the skills that I acquired, I'm, I'm still kind of using mm-hmm. in conversations with people in songwriting rooms, like getting down to the meat of what people are feeling and what they want to say, like, I feel like that's a, a strength of mine in a, in a writing room. And so that's like skills. Like we essentially do the same thing in, in therapy. And so um, it's just a lot of clarifying and of thought and just kind of getting to the heart of what we want to say and, and how we're feeling. So I do feel like those career paths were not typical, but I, when I went into my college experience, that was something I felt like I felt called to do. So I told my parents about it. They like, I think at that point they realize I'm not going to do PA schools. So they're like, do something because we don't want you to be just sitting on your behind all day. So they were, they were cool with it, but they weren't like, yeah. they weren't testifying on Sunday morning. Like my daughter was a mental health therapist. I'm so proud of her. Like, no, they're not doing that. So, and then when I, when I went to ask to do the songwriting thing, I had to like preface it with like, I prayed about this and this was like a decision we made. And I feel like once I did it that way, like they kind of took it more seriously and they were kind of like, okay, like 
they were nervous because they were just like, no one's ever done this before. Like, how Mm -hmm. do you know this is the right decision? Like, how do you know what to do next? And honestly, those were really scary things to walk through. Just the legal side of things, the business side of things. I had no one, I still don't have people I can really reach out to and Mm -hmm. like talk to about that stuff. So I've had to like do a lot of that research on my own and trust that God's going to bring the right people. Um, but they've been supportive. They've been really, really supportive. They know that it's not something I've tried to do on my own. So it's like kind of one of those, it's like a God thing. They, and, yeah. and there was also a lot of prophetic words of, about like something to this extent happening for me. Um, and so I, I just don't think we expected it to be in the way that it is, but we kind of knew that God had planned for something like this to happen. So they kind of knew. Yeah. I think that's similar it. to what, um, Robichon, Robin Simon, he said on our previous episode that like his, when he went to his dad saying like, I'm part of NDIA, we're putting out these albums. His dad was like, okay, good. I'm okay with this because this is a God thing. And like, you've prayed about it and you're singing and worshiping for God's glory. So I think that's a huge thing. If people are talking to their parents and scared about it, if you've prayed about it and you believe that this is where God is leading you, that's ultimately going to be what your parents support they're not supporting your crazy decisions they're supporting god in your life so mm-hmm. no i have a question to propose to the group oh, yeah. this is my <laughs> podcast now um i was gonna say i was gonna say do you feel like it would have been the same kind of response had it not been christian music um <laughs> I personally I think it depends really on your parents stance because like I feel like it's like a lot of parents in the Indian community just associate like secular music to be like drugs 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 like you know (laughs) what I'm saying but like there is other music out there that are that's, that's like more on the purer side but like when you tell your parents, like they think of like the worst possible case scenario. But I think it is difficult to do secular music because it's so easy to fall into that the other side of it. Yeah, but also yeah. because they've seen the stories of like what mm. Miley Cyrus has been through and Justin Bieber and like they've seen that stuff. Well, at least Katy Perry is a full-on preacher's daughter. So, so are like, the Jonas Brothers. Yeah, that's what so. I'm saying. Like it's not like it's really hard to like. Yeah, all I'm gonna say is when I'm in the car with my parents there's a different playlist that goes on <laughs> so if going into a whole field that's not christian listen I do mean, it you're you're not a malayali like kid growing up with malayali parents if you have the like one playlist and yeah. you play with them all the time like hello we just knew not to play z100 do not play z100 in front of your parents on the radio just play k love you have to show you have to show justin bieber singing reckless love <laughs> So I, it's, I'm intrigued by this concept because like, I eventually want to release music that is like, not like, it's not mm-hmm. congregational worship music, but it's like in the style, it's like vibey. Like I want yeah. to do that. Oh my Our goodness. Meeting. Is this an inside scoop we're getting right now? <laughs> it is an inside scoop. But <laughs> yeah, I'm working on stuff and I would love to release stuff like that. But I also believe that like, when you follow Jesus, like when you're a follower of Christ, like the fruit of your life is worship like the Mm. fruit of what you do so even if it's not necessarily like I love Jesus I love Jesus in a song it's Mm -hmm. like just the nature of your process and the way that you process is always going to be like it's always going to glorify God if I have that intent so the the intent of my heart is to is to glorify God like I really feel like even if I'm singing about me going through like a difficult situation Mm -hmm. like in my marriage like I still feel like that song can bring glory to God in a way that maybe is not typical of like a worship no. song or like that's like God. Lauren what's her name Lauren Daigle, Daigle. Daigle. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah she or Tori does. Kelly too Tori mm-hmm. Kelly does worship music but she also does vibes I also feel like it also depends on like the people you have surrounding you like you yeah. have people like first of all you yourself are grounded in God and in the word and then you have people surrounding you who can keep you accountable like, you know, like, I feel like mm-hmm. we, yeah, like, obviously, like, we love Justin Bieber, we stand him. <laughs> when he first started going into the music career, like, his circle was not, yeah, no one was holding true. him accountable. He mm-hmm. got into the wrong crowd. That's a very good point. Because you yeah. can also, like, be with producers or, like, 
people that don't understand your heart mm-hmm. and your vision that's mm-hmm. such a big deal you know which so. actually brings us like how has your management been different from like other secular labels you know that ensuring that their artists are not morally compromised mm-hmm. this is um, this is a great question <laughs> actually like a great question because there is like a very fine line between like like we're not a church we're not like we're not representing a church either Mm -hmm. like so which I feel like when you're like like for example like elevation worship is a church band so they're Mm -hmm. under the accountability and leadership of their church or a lot of times like when you're in a collective it's kind of like yeah everybody has their own church and has their own accountability so it's like and then people have different accountability and that's honestly like has been an issue like it's been a struggle within our team sometimes to know like okay yeah this might have not been the most appropriate response to this or like this this may not have been the best way or like you know, and we've had to like, kind of had really difficult conversations with one another, like where, and that's, that's a good thing about our team is that we're also really good friends and we're like family. And Mm -hmm. so it's like, when we have people who do dumb things, we're like, bro, was this worth it? Like, do you feel like Mm -hmm. this was worth it? Like, this is just egging on something that you're picking a fight that's not worth fighting, Mm -hmm. you know? And so we've had to have those kind of conversations, but it's like our management never, it's not like a, like it's, I don't think they would call the shots for us, you know, but like, obviously, like if something was really like morally an issue, I feel like all of us together would be like, yeah, this is not, this is not the right choice. This doesn't represent us well, doesn't represent Christ well. And, you know, we have mm-hmm. to do, have those hard conversations, but it's never like, yeah. it's always consult. Like, you know, we always talk to the person and we're always I feel like that's the way that Christ does it, but mm-hmm. it has been like that question. When I saw that you were going to ask me that, I was like, that's a really, really good and difficult question because it's something I think we're struggling with even now because we're all like parts of different churches and mm-hmm. what might be like, okay for one person may not be okay for another. And so, you know, it's just like kind of been interesting to navigate those things. Like mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure if like my pastor's off, everything they'd probably be like please leave the group (laughs) but it's like different but that's that's also the beauty of like I mean it's like we're all part of different cultures like what is typically okay for me and my culture might not be a thing that's typical for another member who grew up in a different culture and so I think the thing that we try to focus on as much as we can is just like does this honor Christ like is this something we can all agree on like of like, is this something we know that God would be pleased with? Is this something we know God not could be pleased with? Like, what would represent him well? Mm-hmm. That's been the bottom line. I think that's what we've always tried to do. And like, in all decisions, we obviously like are adults. So we don't like, we're not going to sit here and police people. But at the same time, we're like, is this the smartest choice? We will challenge each other in that thought. You and the other artists, do you each have your own manager or? We do have our own managers. Like I have my own team and that's the beauty of of MAV. Like we are able to be a part of a group, but at the same time, we are able to do our own stuff. We're not like, we're not like solely exclusively part of a collective. Like, so Mm -hmm. I have my own gigs that I travel for. Like Mm -hmm. I do my own events. I do my own bookings and then I'll do stuff with the, with the group. Mm-hmm. and um and that's I love that we have that freedom to do both mm-hmm. things because I think it just it's helpful for for both of us like it's helpful for them and it's helpful for me like when I do my own bookings like and like especially when I do my own bookings within the Indian community like it exposes them to a whole new it exposes Maverick Maverick yeah. City to a whole new mm-hmm. like niche of a whole new audience essentially mm-hmm. it's 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 really helpful yeah are these managers like Christian based or mine do they... is uh-huh. I think most of them are because the Christian music industry also operates a little bit differently, differently. from like just the dynamics uh, actually yeah. it's a lot very similar but it's like the dynamics are different mm-hmm. so I think a lot of times it's like easier to get people that understand that and like especially when you're in contact with churches there's certain mm-hmm. expectations that people have like so it's like you would want to be part you would want your team members to at least have familiarity of like church culture mine was actually uh she is christian but she did do secular music and oh. and she did christian music she's very familiar with i'm just like imagining all your managers like all, all of y'all like in the group chat they're like yo what's your client doing today like my oh clients my clients at ipa today like what's your <laughs> client doing oh my god it's like 
a lot sometimes those group chats because it's like it's like 20 plus people we already are a big collective then plus yeah. our managers and then our group chats is like then plus our band and then plus like our oh, wow. our like the artist the management over the collective then we have our founder it's like Ooh, everybody shut up and like <laughs> do you have your own band like that that will travel with you me yeah like you personally so i i have an md uh which you guys might know, Justice Tams, he's amazing. He travels with me for my events. And then he will tell me usually what I love about Justice. And this is what an MD does. He kind of like gauges when you get an invitation from another church or another place, they will kind of gauge like that level of like musicality and mm-hmm. the team. And then they'll be like, yeah, I think we should bring our own people. Oh, or okay. I think we can, I think we can make it work this this way so I have used my own band before so he would like arrange everything for me we would pick sets together like me and him would pick sets together and map it out and then he would like assess like he would talk to the team there and be like yes like what we want to do and like and then based on the conversation he could like pretty much gauge if they can do it or not yeah that's and thankfully I haven't been like I always get a little scared yeah like I always get a little scared I'm like oh god (laughs) yeah i would be nervous too he's like 55 year old often playing electric guitar i'm like are we gonna be good tonight like we don't know and then like they blow you away so you never know yeah Yeah, so i know that a little while ago you were talking about how when you were starting like to go into like the music industry like you had to kind of research everything yourself right Mm -hmm. um and like there was no one to really go and talk to but now that you're in this space and in this like career do you ever feel like it's a burden to always be a representation to the south asian culture now like you like yeah representation matters but do you always feel like oh i gotta anytime i go somewhere i gotta be like south asian south asian south asian you know i don't know who asked me this but somebody recently asked me do you feel like an ambassador for your culture Sometimes I do feel like I feel the weight of like, because most of the rooms I'm going to are predominantly white or predominantly black. Like they're not like, they don't really, they've never really written with an Indian woman before. So they always like end up mentioning like, I love Indian food. And I'm like, love Indian food too. Like, great. (laughs) Um, It's like, so that stuff is kind of like, it's like, okay. But at the same time, I'm like, I also look at it as, I feel like it's a perspective thing. Like I can look at it as like, okay, this could be really a chance for me to like show you that there's more to my culture than just Indian food. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or like colorful clothes. But um, <laughs> just explaining some of the things of like the culture and like, you know, we're actually really loving culture. Like we, we're really protective of what's ours and things like that. Or even sharing some of the difficulties because I feel like that's something that's, difficult I mean me being in the space is difficult in and of itself so like talking about some of that and it comes out in our songwriting as well like um usually songwriting is a very vulnerable process and so we kind of have to talk about our stories um before we can you know write a song about it yeah so so yeah I definitely feel like sometimes it comes up It, it definitely comes up I don't always feel like um I don't always feel super annoyed by it. I think it's like some days it's hard, but it's, I think I feel more the weight of like within my culture, certain decisions I make. Like, for example, I don't have my ears pierced and I do wonder like making the decision to pierce my ears. Are people who don't, are other young girls who maybe feel really represented by me not doing it, are they going to feel like sad or like, do they feel like they're going to have to do it now too, or it's not cool for them to do it because I remember like growing up seeing other artists that were like modest and made it look cool or like Mm -hmm. you know did the things I was allowed to do and made it seem like I wasn't uncool for for not doing it like you know um I think I felt seen by those people so like now I'm in this space where it's like okay this is such a small decision and it really shouldn't matter what people think but I like I don't want people to feel like they're not represented here or this decision was like me selling out or like yeah you know like so I think I feel the weight of that within my culture more than I feel of like me having to represent my culture to other people outside of my culture can I just say like watching from like an outside perspective right just from like as a 
a brown woman of like a Pentecostal Malayali culture, like to see you in those spaces is such a, like, it's such a blessing because Seriously. it's like we have a, an, you said ambassador before and I'm just like, yeah, you are kind of our ambassador into those spaces. We like, yeah. and like always cheering you on. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like Thank to you. have someone like us in those spaces, such a rock star move like so cool thank Thank you you for saying that I think sometimes it's also really hard because I will experience things in it and I'm like it's really hard and I'm like I never want anyone who looks like me to go through this I don't like I sometimes go into the space and it feels like an uphill battle to like fight to belong to fight Mm -hmm. to feel like Mm -hmm. um feel like my voice and representation matters because as much as like you know, there are times where it feels like I have to, I, I have to prove myself or I have to show you, show people, not you, but like show people in my industry and space that like, Hey, wait a minute. I have something to say. Like, this is like important. Like this matters to me and the fight sometimes to do that. And like, sometimes the rejection, the rejection you experience, like it almost makes me feel like, Oh man, like, I really hope nobody else does this. Like, I don't want them to feel this type of rejection because it can easily like shut someone down. Mm. So it's like, sometimes though that is really hard to Mm -hmm. to deal with just like the the pain of that sometimes and like but then I tell myself like I've been great this is where like my friends my like you've been graced for this like God has placed you here to 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 make a path for people like you girls to do something like that or even for like even if it means like this podcast taking it on a more national level or taking it more internationally like whatever that looks like I would hope that like these type of experiences that I ha- I go through would like give you guys courage and I want it to be a safe place I want to eventually fight to make it a safe place for people mm-hmm. who come after me and I think the weight of that is really is really hard sometimes because mm-hmm. it feels like you're never gonna win but we keep going I feel like even as like little kids first of all like we also know you like as a chechi we've known you seen you in churches and seen you sing but like mm. when you see these like little kids, like when they look up to you, it's like, oh, she's doing this so I can do that too. Like, I don't have to go to the traditional route that the doctor route, the accountant route, the engineer route, like I can follow and follow my dreams and do something bigger. If I feel like I have a calling in my life over music, over writing, over like any creative aspect of this, I can go and chase my dreams. I can go and follow that even mm. no matter the color of my skin. Um, right. And, and also to like, I want people to know that if that's what God's called you and grace you to do, like you will receive the grace to get through it. It'll be hard. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but like you will get through it. Like, you know, it will be given to you and God will bring the right people if you like, if that is what, you know, he's called you to do. So, and I've seen that and like a testimony of that. So, yeah. Um, so like on Instagram, you got that little check mark. You made it, right? Right. So like, but with that also comes with like a lot of mm-hmm. comments, right? Mm-hmm. Do you look through those comments? Like, do you like look at your like Instagram comments and see like all the different like types of like what people say to you? Or do you try not to even like go into that world? Because sometimes people are nasty and sometimes people are very uplifting. Like you don't know what you're going to get when you go into that space. But I'm just curious as what your process is regarding that. Yeah, I feel like when it comes to comments versus DMs, I feel like I do see the comments more than I see the the messages because I don't I don't always go through the messages unless I'm like asking like if I'm on my stories and I'm like, hey, would love to hear from you about this. And then like people DM me, but I don't always look through the messages, um, but the comments I'll see, like people have commented some weird stuff. Like there was like someone who commented on my, a picture of my, my daughter and like said something about abortion rights. And I was like, I was like, huh? but like, also I feel like I, I'm also very, like very, very cautious and selective about what I post on social media. I think more so this year, this last year than I ever have been before. I've been way more like um, private and I, I struggle with that because I'm like, I, I want to be relatable and I want to, I want to build my audience, but I also feel like sometimes that's very emotionally exhausting for me. And I, I want to preserve all the emotional energy for my art and feel it into art and to music. And so 
I often say like I miss those days back in the day when we would wait for like an artist to release an album and we'd know all about their life through the album because I feel like that was like so pure and like Mm -hmm. protects the artist like they didn't have to say much they just already they told you everything in the song Mm -hmm. like they don't you know they don't have social media where they're creating content and they're like you know share like like every post is like some announcement of some sort and like I've like I've really like hated that and so I feel like in a lot of ways I like didn't know how to like steward my platform well while still protecting my heart and guarding it and like protecting the people around me and my friends and my family but this year I'm really trying to be better about that where I think there is a way I think you can choose to post things like I can choose to post about my skincare routine or like I get ready with me or like things like that where I think people feel connected to you still and like I can still show my personality through those things um or even it was like I just went live recently for the first time in a long time where I was going through like this new New York Times article where we're going through like life hacks and I was talking to my friends and it was similar to like a podcast vibe yeah but it was on live and I feel like things like that where it's like not super personal but it's like enough for people to feel engaged and relate to you Mm -hmm. so I'm finding that balance now where I think I think last year having a kid and everything obviously like messed with your mind and like that was not my focus like I was not focused with engaging with people but I think this year I'm really going to try more at that but I don't post things that I feel like are controversial I'm like a pretty safe like poster but who knows y'all am I getting (laughs) 23 I'll be coming out. Coming out with a tattoo. You're gonna get a call from your dad today. Stay tuned. I know he's gonna be like, I was listening to Bridget the podcast. No, guys, it it was really weird for me when my parents started getting on Instagram to like watch my stories. (laughs) Oh, that was the main reason. Yes, because like after after I started getting a lot of followers on Instagram, they're like, oh, like my god. What are, what are all these people looking at? <laughs> what are they looking at? And they are, then they're like, oh, they're my dad, y'all, the way my dad responds to every story, who is this? Wow, this is amazing. What is this about? What does this song mean? I'll post a song about like random things. He's like, I don't know. I don't like this lyric. I feel like this is not a great, I mean, I'm like, oh my God, he's analyzing every single every single day. and he's thinking about it in the lens of like how are other people viewing people this? Going, what yes. does it say about you do you reply <laughs> to him sometimes I mean, sometimes I'll just be like lol <laughs> one time this is so bad one time on tour I had an outfit I wore this like I wore it was it was a tight outfit I was wearing like orange pants and a brown shirt and I posted a side picture of my butt was my booty was bootying and my mom comments on this she's like next time please wear a longer shirt oh my it. god no way no wait did she dm you this oh. yes no she texted me and dm me oh dead. she wanted to make sure the message was clear very clear. no I, she I knew know. she knew you don't look at your dm so she was like she, she was like she has no chill the parents do not care out in these streets they're like at least she's not commenting it do you have commenting on i know you're like she's too embarrassed to comment it i know you like do your own thing but like i feel like if i i still would feel like i still have to run things through my parents like when i walk downstairs on sunday and in an outfit I like walk past my dad. I don't ask him if it's like okay if I can wear it. Yeah. But he'll be like, hmm, that's a nice outfit. And then I go back upstairs and I'm like, okay, I can, I'll be fine. But if I know it's like a little like crossing. No, the- we all did that. I feel like we yeah. all kind of did that. No. I walked downstairs and he's like, no, oh, not yeah, that one. No. I did not. Especially when I have to go on stage and I'm like, oh, it- I tucked the front in. Does this look too bad? Is my booty showing too much? The goal, the 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 key is to just be really confident in the in the approach. Be like, yeah, it's great, and you have to defend your like, yeah, it's tucked in because you know accentuates the waist. My when you don't have a booty, it don't matter. So I'm in the clear. <laughs> yeah, I. No, I was gonna say that's like a huge thing. Like your dad was saying, he's like monitoring to see like what other people think. Mm. Like South Asian rep- yeah. reputation is a huge thing that we talk Super about big. multiple times on this podcast. And so, like when you're posting things, like you already said, you're cautious about mm-hmm. it. But, like, are you thinking like, oh my god, what are people? Oh yeah, when I post oh this? all the time, all the time. I wondered like especially when I was like touring and I was going on tour and like leaving my child 
at home. Mm-hmm. I was super afraid of like how people would view me. And, and that not, it's not that people would actually comment on my post, but I think I was really just thinking about the mentality of people. Like, yeah. I mean, most of the people I think I'm really scared of are not commenting on my posts. These are like aunties and uncles who I've grown up with who are like, probably like literally went to church a few weeks ago and somebody was like, you're doing your daughter a disservice. You're leaving her too many times in a day. And I think like, I'm now getting to the point where I'm like, I know that this is what I'm supposed to do. So it doesn't bother me as much, but yeah. it still sucks because these That's are crazy that-, that they just come up to you and That's say that. Totally At least it. say it behind your back. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that but is- but it's okay. Like I get it. And I, I have to take it as like, they're really concerned about my, yeah. my child and my family. And like, I try to think of it that way, but also know that like so my family rude. is fully You're supportive. My family's fully supportive. My husband's supportive. Like, you know, I'm doing this for her. Like yes. I want Mariah to grow up one day in a world where first of all, my ceiling is her floor. Mm-hmm. And two, like she never has to think twice about doing what either her dreams are like what God's called her to do, which I really believe God gives you those dreams, you know? So I never want her to have to think twice that like, oh, having kids are going to stop me from doing that. But mm-hmm. I think there's a beauty in like involving your family, involving your kids in that process mm-hmm. and letting them dream for their own, just like, you know, you've dreamed. And I think Ooh. we didn't get that chance with our parents because they didn't get the chance to dream. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Do like aunties and uncles come up to your parents and be like, what is your daughter doing? Do they have no. conversations with them? I think they're more, I think they're more proud of what okay. I'm doing because I think, I think they're not seeing, they're seeing like all the cool things, right? Yeah. So they're yeah. like, oh, she's on, she's on TV or she did this or she did that. She got an award and like, so they're seeing all the cool things are very, very proud. I'm so but, glad because if yeah. they were talking dirty about you, we all gonna fight. Oh no, my because God. I'm just like, obviously th- this brown community, <laughs> don't they think like they know that you, you're thinking about all the pros and cons. Like you love your daughter enough to think about these things. So yeah. you are going to protect. I'm just like, most keep of the your time, mouth shut. Yeah. Most of the time it's not bad. Like it was very, it's very rare that people are doing that. And so I'm grateful. Like most of the time, most people are very, very supportive. I'm That's glad we're progressing as a community. I do think more so. Supportive. I think we're like, I would even say this about your church. Like I think that like our churches, your the church I grew up in, the church y'all y'all are in. Like I think they're better at being more understanding about these things, and they're actively like trying to evolve in yeah. in the thought. You know, and it's hard when you're listen you're in the middle of two cultures. If, if you didn't do what you did, what songs would we sing on Sunday? Because we just sang your song like. Hannah is obsessed <laughs> with singing your song. If Hannah's singing, not obsessed with singing your song, they just imagine your song. Well, I can't. that's great. You should sing it. Oh my god, thank but, you. Guys. I told you guys not to mention that I sang her song last week. What song did you sing? Have you my have my yes. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> One more thing. There's this stigma in the South Asian community, right? to let to let the um man shine in his career and for like the woman to do you know like to take the back seat to take care of the family and mm-hmm. to not really overshadow said husband have you ever had to deal with any of that criticism like being in the public eye I know we just talked about it saying that you were like leaving your daughter that people are like where are you going go back right. to her but like does do people say that like in regards to your like you know husband and like marital life that type you know it's funny they don't and that's because John's mom and John's mom's mom like they all were very strong women that had their ministries were more more popular than their husband's ministries so like right now my mother-in-law like she preaches she is like well known for her like evangelistic efforts and like she she preaches a lot in India in America and like my father-in-law is a cardiologist and he does preach too but like she's like who most people know so he's always created an open space for her to do that is not threatened by her not feeling like you know he has to fulfill like he has to take a step down like I don't think he feels that way like I think he he looks at it as like her ministry is my ministry and with with John and I we we honestly have that same thing it's like I don't look at this as like just me and my ministry like this Mm -hmm. is really John's too like and so every every opportunity that I get is like this is he looks at it as like this isn't 
an us thing. Like it's not just a you thing. It's, you're yeah. just representing, but it's really our ministry together. So I think when it's you have amazing. that mindset, it's really helpful. But having also parents that have lived that out before us, like has also been way easier for me. So like anybody who has to say anything about me, my mother-in-law is like, hello, <laughs> I've done this. And then her mom also did that, which is like John's grandmother. And they've passed on yeah. now, but like John's grandfather always created like a space for her to do that and never was threatened, always like welcomed it, never like overshadowed, like never, never let, because he's a man, he, he never felt like he had to like assert his dominance or anything. So I think generations of that, like has been, having that has been super, super helpful for me. Um, and I don't feel the need to like prove myself or fight in, within my family. That's um, amazing. We love a supportive husband. Real. yeah and even even Pops like when John. it came to even when it came to like mariah like he does i feel like he does more than probably the average dad does and i love i love that mariah gets to see a strong father figure in her in her life that isn't just held by a cultural gender role you know like yeah she sees a dad who gives her a bath she sees that a dad that feeds her she sees like it's not just like oh my dad just comes for a family prayer and deals with the finances like no isn't that crazy that like a dad that that bathes your child or feeds them is like is they're involved it's so crazy that they get celebrated (laughs) celebrated for doing what they're supposed to do i feel like i feel like that's like also his ministry because Mm -hmm. him serving your your guys's daughter like also supports you doing another whole other ministry so like yeah it's and that's that's how he views it too so it's been really, really great for us to think that way. So we're always very like good about, you know, there might come a season in life where I won't be doing this anymore mm-hmm. and John might have to do something and I'm going to be supportive with him in that situation as well. So um, you hear that everybody be like John, <laughs> use him as your role model. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like we still struggle. We're not like perfect, but yeah, but it's, yeah, it's really, really helpful to have that. And um we're honest with each other when we need to be. And so, yeah. Let's get to the last question, which is real scary. Do you ever think about if Maverick never took off where you would be right now? Um, yeah, honestly, sometimes I feel like it would have been a lot easier uh, in a lot of ways to be. I know what I would have had. I would have just been a mental health counselor. Mm-hmm. I probably would have lived. I still think I would have eventually come here because John's job is is the one that moves us. Like, so he moved from St. Louis and then comes here. I probably would have just worked here, probably worked from home, honestly, with the way things are now. I probably would have worked from home. Um, and honestly, like I would have lived a really regular, schmegular, regular life and it would have been fine. I do feel like a lot of times this is the harder life. This is like much, much more difficult. And sometimes I crave to go back to the ease of like, no one's really looking at me. Like, cause I feel like even difficult decisions, like that I have to make like it's like okay I've got to make it and people are going to know about it like whether I like it or not I feel like those decisions would have been just so much easier to make you know if I if I didn't do Mav mm-hmm. um but I always try to like focus on the beauty and like I mean when you go on tour and you're on a stage and there's like 20,000 people in the room and then Naomi calls for like a salvation moment and to see those hands like in the room like I think that will never get old for me. Like just seeing the way that people are getting saved in some of these, on some of these nights and like to hear firsthand testimonies of like how my music has personally impacted people. Like, I think those will always be the things that, that like really touch me and know that like, okay, God is using this, even in my weakness or even in my insecurity or my imposter syndrome and like all the opinions that I deal with on a daily basis. Like I praise God that, he still makes it work for his glory. And that's really at the end of the day, like even if I was not doing this, like I would pray that whatever I did with my music, because I still would do music, I know. I just pray that it would all be used for his his glory. So yeah. Amen, sister friends. Well, now this is when we move on to that was a spontaneous <laughs> moment over <laughs> took- <laughs> sound bites i'm so excited 
No, yeah, I was like, we need a sound. Honestly, that was one thing I finished the season one. I was like, we need a sound bite for like kind of segment. We need like a little. We well, need- now we have one. So now we have one. Oh my god! Do not use that. I'm saying you guys go way better. All right, ladies and gents, we have made it to your favorite part of the podcast. So today for our segment, I'm going to be showing Marianne some of her outfits from her tour and maybe off her tour. (laughs) (laughs) Going to describe how she felt about the outfit, what she her thoughts were during that moment and just her memories that bring her back to that outfit. But if you guys want to see what actual outfits we were talking about, head over to our Instagram at filter the podcast and we'll post a little reel for y'all so you can follow along with us. Thanks for having me guys. This was really fun. Thanks for joining us. Yes. Thank you for coming on and letting us learn a little bit about you and what you do it's amazing and we are so proud of you just gather yeah, we are we're so proud of you and power out fangirls and we'll support you till the end all right mm-hmm. till the end. but thank you guys for listening if you guys watched our reel just then you can follow us on our podcast she doesn't mean to be so aggressive now, y'all are there already. Y'all better press the follow button. But you can follow us there. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and YouTube. So you can listen to us every other week. We are there. And you can also send in questions and comments anonymously or through our DMs. We would love to chat to you all. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Marianne, for coming on. Woo! you guys yeah. love you go search up go search up marianne J. oh george. yes follow on <laughs> follow marianne j george yeah follow her because you want to see what project let me tell you something on. everyone following us already be following her yeah <laughs> that is true. Us, you're following Aww. marianne j george go listen and, to her music and sing it on a sunday mm-hmm. and go <laughs> follow her too no oh! <laughs> we'll see we'll on see. that note on that bye note y'all. bye guys bye. i love you jesus bye. loves you